This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. My guest this week is the 11th Duke of Richmond, Charles Henry Gordon Lennox. He's best known for founding the Goodwood Festival of Speed and the Goodwood Revival, which is so much fun. We went a couple of years ago and it's incredible. And he's a very lovely man and I'm so pleased to talk to him. Here's Charles. Oh, Charles, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm really well, thanks. Yeah, very, very nice to be with you. And um, how was the Festival of Speed last week? Gosh, no, well, it was good. I mean, it's hard to believe <laughs> it was a week ago now. God, it's, um, and we're frantic now taking it all down, of course. Um, but no, it was, it, was, uh, it was an amazing experience to have everyone here again. 150,000 people came. Um, wow. See everyone together, everyone's smiling, everyone's so happy to see each other. No, it was it was really it was really a moving thing. No, it was fantastic. I bet. Got hundred and fifty thousand came. Hundred and fifty thousand people came, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We were allowed seventy five percent um uh for the for the um yeah, we had a pilot. We had a it was a pilot event. So we were very grateful to have that. That was that was really amazing. And um everyone worked very hard to make that happen. And um yeah, everybody came. I mean I was amazed. I thought well, it's gonna be so complicated for people, maybe they won't come. Did you have to do, did they have to do COVID tests or prove that they'd been yeah, vaccinated or, exactly. yeah, lateral all that. flow, lateral flow okay. uh, or double vax, yeah. Yeah. Have you double vaxxed? I've double vaxxed with you, yeah. Yes, so have I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. very happy to hear it. I think yeah. everyone should double vax. Yeah, man, double It's vax. the new in thing, Charles. It's the new thing, yeah, God. <laughs> but it must have been, because now last year, did you do, you couldn't do any of them, could no, you? we missed it completely. So it was a, oh it was a pretty traumatic goodness. year for us. So we just had the whole I year bet. kind of removed, really. So we'd sold all the tickets. So most of the people that came this year already got tickets. So we'd already sold all the tickets. And everyone was very patient and incredibly supportive. They kind of, you know, hung, wow. on, in, hung on in there and, yeah. Um, and, yeah, helped us get it done. So, yeah, and we had a speed, thing called Speed Week in the autumn last year, which brought together Festival Speed and Revival into one sort of, Cra- oh. crazy kind of digital event and amazing um, that was really uh, that that was 26 hours of live tv or something but with obviously no crowd but that was th- no. that, that went well but it was very different we, we like people we like having people here yeah <laughs> exactly well that's i mean because i we lee and i came to the revival in 2019, the year yep. the year before the horribleness began. <laughs> exactly, our last year, our last uh, event, uh, actually. Yeah, yeah. And the amazing thing to me, because it was the first time we'd ever been, as you know, and you'd you'd very kindly invited us, and um, I was just blown away by how amazing the people are. They really get into the spirit of it. Everyone dresses up because I thought, oh no, probably nobody will dress up. There'll be a few odd bods but everyone does don't they yeah it's amazing i think you feel pretty uncomfortable now if you don't make some yeah. effort <laughs> and everyone looks amazing all right and everyone does their own thing it's become a sort of 
you know, it's a massive. Well, we want to we want it to be a you know a really different experience and a, and a huge. I think it is sort of secondhand vintage. We want it to be the biggest secondhand event in the world. Yeah, well, I think you've got it probably. Yeah, no, it's I mean, exciting. We've got lots of plans for this year. So all those old cars and all the you know everything is is um, you know repurposed, reused, recycled. Yeah. That's My the... favourite, I think, I mean, there were amazing outfits. People really went, I mean, I dug out my 1940s jacket and, you know, did a kind of 40s thing. But my favourite was a whole family down to a kind of six-month-old baby and they were all dressed <laughs> up in 1960s clothes. It was absolutely brilliant. Now, you I see them pushing, it. you get the nanny, we've had the, the nannies all, you know, the, the nanny comes dressed as a sort of Norland nanny and the baby's in a... <laughs> In a silver cross pram and carrying the picnic hampers and it's they've come in the right car. No, it's, 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 it's amazing how um, everyone feels, I think the sort of thing we hadn't ever anticipated was just how it makes everyone feel that they're in it, they're all part of it, they're all, they're all doing something, they're all contributing. And that makes everyone true, feel actually. very different, I think, about it. That's very, and, and, yeah. and the happiness, it was like, um, I remember going to see Paul McCartney at, at um, Wembley or Earl's Court or wherever he was, and you could feel the love in that auditorium. And that was the same f- feeling I felt at the revival. There was kind of a... It was like a happiness thing in the air. I mean, it was a beautiful day. Yeah, no, it was a sunny if day, you remember, wasn't it? Yeah. It was gorgeous. But there was a kind of happiness vibe going everywhere. It was it was amazing. I've, it, you don't experience, as I say, I remember it at the Paul McCartney concert, but it was that same feeling, which no, is extraordinary. Strong, you're right, it is a strong feeling. And the first time we did it, it was weird. Nobody wanted to, it was, God, 98 now, a long time ago, but it, there was this feeling that nobody wanted to go home afterwards. You know, no one wanted to cross the threshold into the, into, the, into the real world again. Into the real world. I'd say it's a place you think, I'd like to live here I'd forever. like to stay here for a while. <laughs> and, and people definitely behave differently, what's great. The moment people dress up like that and make a bit of an effort and look great, they've got their, you know, they've got their suits on or whatever it is and they all, you know, and they've had their hair done and they, you know, everybody yeah. behaves. They're very nice to each other. They're very polite and kind. And yeah. It's interesting. Well, I had the great honour because you asked me to to judge the outfits, which was really Absolutely, hard because yeah. there were so many wonderful ones. It was really hard. We picked the best woman, didn't we, and the best yeah, man. Exactly. And they were, oh, I, they, they just knocked me sideways. It was absolutely brilliant. Anyway, have you got your cup of tea? I have. I forgot to ask you. I'm very keen what, on my tea. Are you a big tea drinker? I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I like it with a slice of lemon to you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've got me. I've got a lemon and ginger actually. But in oh, the yeah. morning, I like my builders' tea. Well, actually, yeah. it's not. It's posh builders because I do a mixture of English breakfast and Earl Grey. Okay, yeah, I'm a big Earl Grey fan. I have to yeah. say, yeah. And I put milk and honey in, but nice. um, but in the afternoon, I like I like me herbal. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying, so the first time you did the revival was in 1998. 98, yeah, absolutely. Was it your idea? Was it your kids? Or Well, it, it all started because well, my grandfather built the circuit in 1948. It was the first track to open after the war. And then right. I tried to get it going again when I came back to live at Goodwood in the kind of early 90s. And it was pretty obvious that it wasn't going to happen. So uh, because we had to get planning permission to reopen it and there was a lot of resistance locally because of noise and things. And so that became very, very challenging. And then we thought, oh, well, what could we do? Well, how could we try it all out? So then we had the idea for the Festival of Speed as a bit of a tryout, really, for the, for, the, for the circuit. 
And, um, and that was in 93. And we learned a hell of a lot doing that. So eventually, we did get permission to reopen the track seven years later. So it was a seven-year negotiation. It was a long time. And then when we did it, we suddenly thought, well, actually, the real sort of USP of this place, it's never been changed. So even though all the buildings had sort of pretty much fallen down and stuff, the actual track itself, if you like, the, the real core soul of the place was still completely as it was. So that track that I saw on the revival where those lovely old minis and cars, that's, that's, that's the original track? That's exactly as it was the day it was wow. built. Yeah, so your, your, your lap times are exactly, you, know, you can pair them against Jim Clark and Jackie Stewart and Fangio and all those great drivers. So that's untouched. So we then thought, well, maybe um, we should try and put the buildings back. We'll put all those wartime buildings back and try and make it feel like it fell from the 50s. So we then did that. Amazing. And then we got on to, well, let's encourage people to come driving 50s and 60s cars as well. And then some bright spot said, well, why don't we go the whole way and get one to dress as well? And then a lot of people thought that was a really bad idea. So we had quite a lot of resistance to that. And then um, we thought, well, we'll just do, just do it anyway. And it took everyone a couple of years. And, uh, and then everyone you know, got more and more and more enthusiastic about it and, and now as, as you know if you don't make some sort of effort you're going to feel a bit uncomfortable very yeah um, no absolutely now i i absolutely i thought it was a brilliant thing so it was a lucky it was a lucky but, thing yeah so were you always a car fanatic i was i'm afraid because of your granddad exactly no you're absolutely <laughs> right so i used to come and stay here as a child Oh. Uh, when I was about eight, he used to send me all the magazines at school, and he'd take me around all the, he'd take me around the paddock. He had me meet all the drivers, and uh, there was a cocktail party here always. So Easter Monday was the big meeting at Goodwood. So all the big drivers were here for that bank holiday weekend, Easter weekend, and in those days they didn't race on a Sunday, so they had practice on Saturday. Took the Sunday off. Uh, we were basically they all got so plastered on the Saturday night they had to take the Sunday <laughs> off. <laughs> And then, That's hysterical. And then the Monday they were racing. And um, Easter Monday was the big day. So he taped me around to meet everybody. And, and no, I absolutely loved it. So when he closed in, in, um, in 66, I was absolutely mortified as a, sm a small boy. Why did he close it? Was it just too much to run? Yeah, well, no, the cars, he'd done well with it, actually. So it wasn't that. I think the, the cars were changing pretty rapidly. So they were putting wings on Formula One cars and they were getting very, very quick. He didn't like that much. Uh, he didn't like the way it was being run by the, by the sort of club that managed it. And anyway, he was just, I don't know, he got fed up with it, I guess, and decided to shut it, which was actually it was probably a great thing. It, you know, looking back on it, it was probably a good decision because it meant it stayed, it all stayed the same. Otherwise, it would have been developed, you know, it would have, they would have had to change the track to suit the cars, and that would have changed the track completely because the cars were getting so much faster, the track would have got tighter to slow the cars up. So it's incredibly quick now, really fast track. Because it's just you, untouched. Can you drive a racing car? Yeah, I drive a bit. Yeah, drive on it. Yeah. Do you? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Is it scary? We love it. No, we all love it. When we, well, again, when I was, a, you know, back in the 70s and things, we used to just turn it because it was all nothing happening down there. We used to just turn up with a car and belt round for a few hours. And <laughs> it was really good every, fun. Every teenager's dream, yeah, right? Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> That's hysterical. Smashed a few cars up. <laughs> I think, so I bet you did. Yeah. I think I told you actually when, when we came to Goodwood that. In the 60s, because I, I was kind of discovered in 66 when that all finished. Big year, but, big um, year. Yeah, <laughs> well, for me it was. And um, I think I told you, in an, I think it was 1960, I didn't even drive, 67, 68. We had a Lamborghini Mura. You told me, it so was, cool, yeah. 
acid lime green with an orange racing stripe. That's as good as it gets to you, I, I know. I know. I should have kept, I mean. You but really you know, should. I, I really wasn't into cars. I didn't drive. And um, it was sold. We sold it about. So who bought it? I don't know. But I, it was, I think about three years ago, somebody contacted us and said that it was coming up for sale somewhere for some ridiculous sum of money. And they wanted to, they wanted to verify mm. that it was my car and... Um, How brilliant. But uh, you were just... Did you ever... So you never drove it? You just sat in it as a passenger, drove did it, you? no. No. You'd driven yeah. around in it a bit? It's oh, a yeah. Thing. For about two years. Yeah. Bit scary. <laughs> and very low down, I remember. Oh, they're wonderful. That was the, so that was the world's first... Uh, that was the world's first supercar, really. Was it? Yeah. Mid-engine. I know it used to. I know when we drove along the street, people used to stop and just look at yeah, it. Yeah, beautiful thing. Like... Yeah, beautiful thing. And they're always in those great colours: lime green, orange, bright orange. Yeah, yeah. No, well, Seth Relly lived in his. The Did direct. He? We had it. Wasn't a, it? Wasn't a, It wasn't a Miura. He had an Espada, which is a little. I think which oh, is yeah. a little bit bigger. But he loved it so much. I think he so. I remember reading a book about. I think it was Barbara Sutherland, the opera singer. Uh-huh. And he was he directed her a lot, and they were at the Scala or something, and he sort of parked the car outside the opera house and and just you know that's where he spent the night. That's hysterical. <laughs> I must ask Lee because Lee Lee did um, a film with him, his first film. Oh really? Go on. Zeffirelli. Yeah, they did Brother Son Sister Moon yeah. in Italy, oh, but that was back in the mid seventies, yeah. I think. So I don't know whether it, yeah. it's the this same. Would have been a bit before, this would have been, yeah. Actually, it's it's um, a bit before then. Um, so when I was I was when I was reading your your biography, I was amazed because it said when your mum and dad moved into Goodwood, it was in dust sheets and it needed a lot of work and it was really run down. And you, I think there was a little quote saying that lots of houses in that period were the big. Grand houses. Was that because after the war there was no money and exactly? I think the whole sort of psyche. Of, I think everyone had changed. So I, mean, I don't think anyone believed after the war that they'd moved back. Not mm. just into the houses, but that like that that lifestyle. Would, lifestyle. Well, it changed, it, didn't it? And it didn't really exist anymore. And a lot of a lot of interesting. A lot of people that could afford to maintain and live in those sorts of houses just didn't. They just didn't. They felt they couldn't. You know, they felt they couldn't do it. My grandparents never loved living here that much anyway. So. It was only opened up for the horse racing and the car oh, really? racing. So did they live somewhere else most of the time and then just... They were in London a lot of the time, here at weekends yeah. a bit and things. But no, actually, to be fair, they did live here during the war, but the, the uh, Canadian, the army were here a lot. Oh, well, um, yeah, because that, that happened a lot, didn't it? And it, it was war? a hospital for a lot of the time too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When was it built? So it was really built over quite a long period. So the earliest bit of the house is the sort of 17th century and then most of it was okay. built in the 18th century and it was some of it was finished in the 19th century. So oh, it's a gorgeous house um, and, and where it sits house. is yeah. magnificent, isn't it? But so, and also in, there's the tradition in your family that when the, the, the son becomes 40, they move into the, the big house, yeah? It's not a tradition so much. It is a bit, I mean, I think it's just that the the, the plan is that the, you know, so many of these places, the old boy would leave the house feet first <laughs> and, uh, you know, that would be it. So I think a lot, a lot of, um, so I think my father was very, very keen to make sure that, you know, we were both young enough. He was, uh, he was young enough to have a life still and that I was young enough and had some energy to... To take it on. Yeah, and I think it was a good plan. Well, you, but you knew it was coming up. 
uh, yeah, it must so have I'd been known a bit... forever it was coming up, and I was doing something. Entire, I mean, I wasn't here at all. I was, you know, I was in sort of, you know, very involved in a completely different world at that point. So I came back to Goodwood yeah, and, and um, got more and more involved. Is this to do with your photography? Exactly. Which is, yeah, I was doing. All I know sort of, your. That's yeah. your big, big passion, isn't it? Exactly. I was very involved in sort of film. One of film them. No, no, very involved in sort of film photography. Exactly, and then yeah, yeah, applied some of that. I guess in a in a funny way, applied some of that to what goes on here. Yeah. So did you? You left. You went to Eton, right? For about a week. Yeah. Not not for very long. <laughs> <laughs> for about a week. About but a you week. left. You left at seventeen and and and. Went to work with Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, wow. that was a, I was so lucky. I know it was a, it was a, it was manner from heaven actually because I hadn't in lo- I hadn't loved school much, so um, and I really wanted to go and I wanted to get into that world. And then I met some guys who were the first actually they were the first students at the National Film School, and uh-huh. I and I sort of uh, did quite a lot with them. But I was much much younger than they were. I mean, they were like in their twenties. I was you know seventeen or something. And then one of them taught me quite a lot actually, and is a very good filmmaker now. He made the sessions. Do you remember? The, do you see the sessions? That oh, really interesting film. Yes, yeah. um, I did. Called Ben Lewin, and and um, and yeah, and they heard about this job going with with Stanley. So I sort of rang up and and all a bit crazy, really. And then yeah, it was it wasn't it was sort of doing pre production stills things. It wasn't, but it was just fascinating because it was just only really him and Ken Adams around yeah, at that time. Was this was, Barry Lyndon? Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So it was that was a fantastic, well, fantastic at seventeen to be around somebody, you know, even even just around somebody like that a little bit to experience mm. that sort of just no compromise of anything, you know, unless it was all it had to be like hundred percent, yeah, totally controlled, meticulously planned. Everything was, you know, you you just and and it were, you know total dedication, twenty four hours a day, focus yeah. on everything. You know, it was it was a very I think a good lesson at that age to see that. You just need to put in time and effort if you want to get yeah. stuff, if you want but a result. But he's certainly one of the great film yeah. directors ever, I, I think, anyway. I love the exhibition at the Design Museum. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Was that it was amazing? Fantastic, yeah. yeah, everyone said we should go and we never got Not there. Really but um, did you get to know him as a, a man or was it was it kind of... He was very nice to me. Because uh, I, I, sp- I used to spend every... We used, we used to spend every evening with him. We, we were working with him and Ken Adams, who was a great art director... Yeah, brilliant. The greatest, really, and um, and they just go through all the pictures and say what was relevant, what wasn't, and that that I'd shot, and because um, they were just looking for the right details and the right locations and things, mm-hmm. and um, but he was very helpful. He was a very very good photographer. You know, he, uh, I think he was he was a photographer on Look magazine when he was fifteen or something. Was he was he? given a camera, but yeah, at very early. So he started off actually. That's what he you know he was a photographer to start with. Then he got into making short films and and. Um, and the rest, you know, as they say, is history. But he, um, so he was very nice and often giving you know good hints about well, if you try and do it like this, it might come out next time. <laughs> <laughs> so he was very. He wasn't because he was famous for being quite, you know, quite short with famous, people. He was famous. He was quite spiky, wasn't he? But Apparently, he was, I, I, anyway, he was very nice to me always and very friendly. Yeah, I, I never met him sadly, but um, I, I wish I had. But you know, I had the same kind of relationship with Ken Russell, who I did my first film with, and you know, lots of people said he he was mad and he was crazy and horrible, and he was wonderful to me. Exactly, that was such a great film, yeah. But you know, he I saw another side of him, and and he was wonderful yeah. and always kind, and what he met, he, I always look upon him as my mentor. So, do you think? Kubrick was a bit of your mentor, you know, well, to lead bit, you. Well, in... it, it's a bit grand to say that. I would love to think so, but I mean, I was nobody, and he was. Every, <laughs> but it was, um, 
I think it was just, I think what had a massive effect on me was just being around, just seeing someone where compromise wasn't in there, being around someone where mm. there was just no compromise and um, was capable of pulling all those people together as a leader and making something mm. massive. You know, the scale of everything was, so that was, so I think in that sense, he had, it did have a big effect. It was, a, I mean, it was a very impressionable age. Yeah, because actually you're right, because I always thought we can, because in the end, every decision had to come back to, to him as yeah. it would have done with Kubrick. I mean, it's major. Every, every, there's always somebody who needs something, who wants something, who want, answers a question, the lighting, the costumes, the actors, the everything. Yeah. And it's all ends up in there, which is a little bit, as you said, it was good training for you because I should think running what you run, in the end, they all come to you, don't they? <laughs> Well, I mean, I get the whole thing about management nowadays is they're not meant to, you know, you're meant, you're meant to be able, everyone's meant to, you know, you're meant to kind of empower people, which is all very um, commendable and, and vital if you're going to get stuff done. But actually then all those great directors, they didn't really, they just made every decision. I remember everyone saying with, with Stanley, you know, he, you know, he ordered the buns at break time, you know, <laughs> you know literally. So, <laughs> what bun do you want today? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> So your because you are a brilliant photographer, and that was was that your first kind of working goal to do photography and I guess it was really that's what I've it's weird. I mean now, you still do so that, long. don't yeah, you? Yeah, no, I'm still you, you I still, still do a lot. Yeah, I still do quite a bit. And you know, I started when I was twelve, and I'm now sixty six, so that's quite a weird. Um, Who gave you your first camera? Uh, my first camera, my father did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, my grandfather was very. He bought me my first enlarger and all, all the darkroom kit. Oh, so I you do? You can do all that printing yeah. and. Well, I don't amazing. do it so much anymore because we live in we live in a digital world, sadly. But um, oh, that's true. Yeah, do you, I find that sad actually? I mean, when I when I modelled in the sixties, everything I can remember doing shoots, and then getting in the car when they were printed and driving out to. Somewhere along the A40 to the lady who did the retouching, and oh, yeah. she'd do it. She'd do it all with brushes and and razors, you know, little things just to retouch. I mean, yeah, incredible. No, no, the skill was. Inc- I mean, I, I. They were amazing. I mean, I shouldn't really say that. Sadly, it's like it's. Ch- but I think there's lots of good. I mean, the digital world's an exciting world, but the the sort of the joy of the the the, the fact that the photo that you know one felt that the photo never lied. Mm. Which of course it did, but you know, there was a magic about photography where you you look at something and you couldn't believe how it was done because you knew it that it was real. You know, you couldn't. Whereas now, of course, you look at something and you see that something's upside down or doing something yeah. weird, and you think, well, that's just they've just done that with Photoshop or something. Same in the movies, really. The sort of special effects world has been slightly the magic of that. I think has been slightly yeah, destroyed, and, and that for me, photography is so wonderful in that sense that it, you know it always felt so. It's always real. You can't. And that's where the, the, those retouches were amazing because they did it, you said, with brushes and dyes. Yeah, and... Uh, unbelievable. And also the animation world, you know, when yeah. they, you think that all the old animated films were literally hand-drawn. But uh, <laughs> but you've had quite a lot of exhibitions around the world, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I've been, I've been, I've been lucky to, yeah, I have. I've had a few, yeah. Not, not many in the last... 18 months, annoyingly. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So how how did you get through the last... I have to ask, I've oh, asked everyone this. Yeah. It's been... When it when it hit, it was just so unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a big shock, yeah. 
It was a big shock. And what did you know immediately? Because it it happened in the March. Did you know immediately then that all your summer plans were going to go belly up? Um, well, it, it was about yes. It, I guess it, it, there was a weird sort of week or two of realization that mm. suddenly this was a bit more serious than you know. Suddenly it was an item, item on the news that was being mentioned, and then it was the headlines, yeah. and then it was well, this is. And I got COVID in March actually. Um, Did you like, that first March? Yeah. Oh, I um, didn't know that. From my doctor. Um, <laughs> from your doctor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> I got met for my annual a... medical checkup, and he gave me COVID. Oh my goodness! Did he? Know? Obviously, he didn't know he had it. No, no, no. He was—he's very—he was very apologetic. He ran me, said, "How are you feeling?" I said, "I'm not feeling very good." And he said, oh. "Well, I hate to tell you, but I think I've got COVID." <gasps> um, uh, uh, did you have to go to hospital? No, that no, was fine. It was pretty mild. I was—it um, was just yeah, five sort of five days of bit of bit of a fever. Yeah, in bed a bit, and I was—I suppose I felt a bit tired for a couple of weeks, but I was fine. Yeah. Well, Thank God. Like, That's yeah. no. unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, I mean, you've got, you know, your festivals you do and then you've got a farm and you do farm produce. And what did yeah. you, did you have to close everything down? I mean, what do you do in that well, we when did, you're running something that big? Yeah, pretty much. We, we, um, we had to shut a lot of it down. We kept the farm going. So all the, all the things we could keep running and uh, which the guys could keep, you know, keep working on keep working mm -hmm. at we obviously kept going so the farm became whereas it was really a wholesale food business before so we have a lovely organic farm i know beef. you do and you've got yeah. that lovely shop in chichester exactly got a lovely shop that sells the, the produce yeah and so the shop became much well most of our produce is going to wholesale it then became much more retail so it, oh, okay. which we kept going so now you can come to the farm and buy all the stuff i say um, have, you, have you got a farm shop yeah. on the estate yeah Fabulous. Um, which only just, I mean, it just sells our stuff, but it's um, so that's gone okay. But um, but the hotel and the restaurants, the kennels, and all our restaurants. Yeah. We've got this wonderful restaurant which only sells produce off the farm. Mm -hmm. um, Is that in the hotel, the restaurant? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Farm, farm Butch Chef. So that all yeah, you know, all that had to stop. And um, obviously the events all stopped, and people going around the house stopped, and all the you know events in the house stopped, and all the weddings yeah. stopped, and so we just we really just lost. A whole year. I mean, we just lost a whole year of, of, of revenue. So it was a bit. That was yeah. a bit of a, a bit of a shock. So when 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 were you able to kick off again? This this coming this yeah, so the we year we're in exactly now. When we when we were allowed to open again, so the hotels just you know we've just reopened all of that, and uh, and we've just as we uh, as we as we said we've just done festival speed as a pilot event, and we've got the horse racing, the big horse race meeting coming up in two weeks. Um, oh yeah, that's right. You do the horse yeah, racing we do the big, as well. Yeah, we've got the, what we call Glorious Goodwood, the Cathal Goodwood festivals in two weeks, and yeah, and then we got the revival. Yeah. Oh my goodness. When do, when do you sleep, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> well, the horse racing is a bit of a marathon. It's five. That's five days on the trot. So. Oh gosh. Yeah. So strictly new. And, and do you go every day? You're there yeah. every day. Yeah, we do. And people, did people come in from all over the world? Well, can they come in at the yeah, moment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They would know when it's difficult. So all travel's a bit difficult. Yeah. And uh, Qatar are our big partners, and we're a bit worried that you know, I think Qatar's on the red list at the moment, so oh, that I looks a bit difficult. Is, yeah. But um, no, it's an amazing thing. I mean, there's been horse racing up there since 1801. Oh my goodness! On in exactly the same place, same time of year. Always the sort of last moment of the sort of social calendar. Oh, is uh, it? Oh, okay. And yeah, well, it was. And um, and the survey all got all those traditions and very. It was always very kind of um, much more relaxed than Ascot. Um, and every the seventh sort of made it what it is really. 
And he started wearing linen suits and Panama hats and stuff. And that's what really uh, ma made it much so softer. And so it's a real for England, England in the summer at its best. Yeah. I mean, your history, I mean, I, I know little bits about it, but we, we got hold of um, a series from the BBC called The Scepter Dial. Oh, yeah. Which is the history of Great Britain from Julius Caesar up until, I think, 2000. Absolutely fabulous. I think it was done yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. And Anna Massey narrates it brilliantly. And we, uh, we through lockdown, we every time we went out in the car, we'd listen to... Because it's, it's endless. It's like 50 hours of broadcasting because it's the whole history. And the, the Duke of Richmond's name comes up a lot through all the... It, it was like, oh, it, yeah. gosh, oh, that must be Charles's great, 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 great. <laughs> it must be. How far back can you trace your family? Well, there have been a few, um, there, there have been a few incarnations of it. So, oh, have there? Yeah. So this incarnation is from the uh, from the Stuarts, yeah, from Charles the Second. So what what year is that? So Charles the Second. This is a uh, late seventeenth century. He was born. The first duke was the son of Charles the Second, illegitimate son of okay. Charles the Second, and Louise de Carouet, who was a French his French mistress. She was a French spy. Norbury. Oh, how exciting! Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. How brilliant. So how, what do you mean different, what, they were different strains of the family? Well, they die out. Yes, exactly. No, well, they weren't the same family at all. So oh, if, if you like, these titles are kind of, oh, it's all a bit madly, but they're, they're, if you like, they're held by the, by the sovereign and they're dished out at various, you say, they, if they die out, they're then taken back then again. Somebody and then somebody else gets you'll given dish it. You'll dish it out again to oh, somebody else. Um, exactly. Wow. And have you done Crazy. lots of research into your family history? I mean, or has somebody else done it? Or well, there's, I guess there's you know there's quite a lot. Um, I guess there's a certain amount out there. You know, there's a certain amount known already. There was a there was a very interesting BBC drama actually called The Aristocrats. If you ever saw that? Oh yeah, yeah um, I did. Which is based on a book by Stella Tilliard, the American um, historian, and that was about the third Duke actually. So um, that was sort of middle of the 18th century. And he was the one that really built the house and the race course and stuff. But him and his sisters, who were all very, very interesting. The girls were fascinating. That uh, they were all very. But these these um, sisters were uh, really, really high achievers. Very interesting. So yeah, how, how been amazing! Some... It is amazing because I, I did one. You know that program. Who do you think you are? Yeah, yeah. And that I did what because I, I was desperate to do it because I I knew nothing about my. I was hoping that. Somewhere in the past, there'd be a castle somewhere, but there wasn't. <laughs> there probably was. You just haven't found it. <laughs> <laughs> no, there wasn't. And um, so it was brilliant. And they, they, they kind of only do, because they come and ask you if you want to do it, because lots of people turn it down. I don't know why, but I was desperate to do it. And because um, my mum my mom and dad didn't really talk. They've, you know, I think that generation who came through the war, my mum would never talk about the past or... It was all like, oh, that's that was horrible, and you know, and mm -hmm. her sister died very young, so she wouldn't. So we didn't really talk, you know. I didn't know anything about it, and and my story, my backstory was quite sad, really, because my great 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 grandmother, you know, ended up in the workhouse. She had like five children. Her husband had run off. Mm, gosh. You know, he probably couldn't cope, you know, because there was nobody to help them in those days. So and one tough. child died. Oh, so oh, tough. Oh, so tough. So tough. But 
she <laughs> she must have been quite a woman because she ended she did go to jail for a year for passing coins oh. which apparently they used to get women to do it because they were fake coins and then they would okay. get the change back or something anyway and, and the big guys never got caught so they caught the little people and she went to jail and when she came out the next time they found her in the census she was running a boarding house and renting rooms to policemen and her her daughter married a young policeman oh great so i mean she was obviously she a great entrepreneur yeah <laughs> amazing so i mean i found that incredible so, so when you look yeah. back to your history it must be extraordinary all the people that you know no big scandals <laughs> uh, no big scandal no not really no no big scandals no 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 mostly nice stories the first the, the nice one nice story is the first the first duke was 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 fairly flamboyant and he was he married his son off to cover a gambling debt of his which he couldn't afford to pay so he married his son off to this uh, rich property guy and he daughter and they and the children didn't like each other at all they were only 15 and 13 or something at the time oh my goodness and the boy went off on the grand tour around europe uh, he met everybody in europe that he ought to meet after a couple of years he came home and he met his best friend at the opera in the hague on the way home and they had a nice uh -huh. night out and he was fell in love with the girl in the box opposite during the opera and Aww. asked who it was and it was his wife Goodness. Yeah, which is a, a nice story, and they lived very happily ever after, and had. Um, well, they only had; they didn't have that many children, but she she was um, pregnant many, many, many times. Yeah, lost lots of children actually, but it was it's a it's a nice story. Yeah, it is. And you've got five children, right? I've got five children. Yeah. Wow. Do they all live at home? Or they? Be, no, you must have some. What teen? I met them. Yeah, no, they're all they're, they're the youngest. Of, I got twins at the end who are twenty-one. That's right. And the oldest yeah. is thirty-six. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. they're not at home, presumably. The, no, the, the twins ones. are at uni. All the rest are, yeah, on and off. And how did they cope through the lockdown? Did, was their uni shut down? Did they yeah. come home? Yeah, no, they were they were there and not there. And I think they I think they did really well actually, but jolly difficult. I mean, that generation's oh, really had it. I say, so I, tough. My heart, you know, it was horrible for everybody, and we, you know, we didn't get sick, and we were together, so it wasn't. I just miss seeing my daughter and my stepson and the kids the baby you know our grandchildren exactly. but you know we were fine but I, I will say to lee my heart goes when it used to go well still does to teenagers because that's the time when you want to mix and mingle and fall in love and fall out of love and you know and you know just hang out and they couldn't do that no, i think it's been really, really tough i think they've really, really paid the tough. price yeah and not good are they back? They're back now, though. Yeah, they're, the well, they're, no, they're not. They're they're on hot on summer holidays at the moment. Oh but. yes, broken up. Yeah. What do they want to? What do What do they want to do? Uh, all different, the, well, I suppose. Well, they're all different. Yeah, exactly, all different. But a um, couple of them working. One's about to go to America to do go, go to uni in America, and um, mm, lovely. Yeah. Uh, and then the little boy is a he's a bit of a singer songwriter, so he's a bit keen on he's keen oh. on his music. Which is Chris Evans stuck him on the Chris Evans show the other morning, which is quite funny. Oh, that's nice. So he played out the Chris Evans show, which was fun. That's brilliant. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. That is. That's absolutely. Was he excited? He was. He was pretty relaxed about it, but yeah. Oh, that's so that sweet. Really nice. So, um, so the revival's going to happen this year. 
We hope so too. Yeah, we're full on. We're going to go to, yeah, we hope 100% revival. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Hope oh, so. my goodness. Yeah. And we've got some big plans. We're doing a big festival of Britain kind of celebration uh, in terms of the... This, sort of, this year? Yeah, in terms of the set build and everything. Wow. And, um, and then big, yeah, a big Sterling Moss celebration and, well, lots of fun things because we build all those crazy sets and... I know. We've got so some fun I, stuff. It was incredible. Have you have you had all the big drivers there over the years? I mean, Jackie Stewart. Yeah. And... Jackie's a big, been lots, yeah. And um, Jackie's... The was, only racing yeah. driver I knew was um, Jochen Rint, who sadly died in a terrible car crash. Terrible, but yeah. That was back in, God, 1970-something. And he was such a lovely guy, but um, but I didn't I didn't really know any of the other ones. It was just him that we met. One of the greats. His, wi- his widow has been a few times here. Nina. Yeah. 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 yeah she was gorgeous. She's lovely, she was yeah. beautiful, beautiful yeah. girl. So I kind of when that happened, it kind of it, I I was so upset that I kind of didn't really follow racing after that for a while. But I have to say, walking around Goodwood. In 2019, and looking at all the old cars, I thought, oh, it was quite emotional and lovely. Yeah, cars but, are a bit like music. I think they kind of you, 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 cars represent certain moments in your life in a way. They do, yeah. they do. I, would, I just wish I'd have hung on to mine. I mean, I had, I think I had probably the first automatic mini in England because they made it for me. And um, I, I couldn't drive. I couldn't drive a gear. They had to make me an automatic. <laughs> and I asked. I want. I it, I asked for it in dark purple. It was gorgeous. It was dark purple with dark purple tinted windows and tan leather interior. It was gorgeous. Is it still around? God only knows. I mean, I sold that. I, I sold that is. to buy a little. You know, the little sweet little Mercedes Sports. Oh yeah, great. Which I loved. I loved that car. And then when you start having kids, you need bigger cars, don't you? <laughs> but if only I'd have kept all of them. I bet it's around somewhere. I bet someone's got it somewhere. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyone out there with a the purple mini exactly. tinted windows? <laughs> it was mine. <laughs> well, when I, went, when I went to Japan in 1968, Toyota, I, again, I didn't drive. Toyota gave me their new sports model i can't remember what it was called and they shipped it to the uk for me oh but i couldn't drive that either. <laughs> oh they're out they're out there somewhere yeah. presumably well listen it's been so lovely of you to take time to talk to me because i know how busy you are and it's been lovely absolute pleasure to you and i i'll keep everything crossed that it all goes ahead in oh, september yeah, we well, hope you'll come well if i get an invite i hope we will <laughs> <laughs> it's on its way lovely to see you thanks thank a lot you, thank yeah, you thank thanks. you thank you yeah nice to be involved thanks so much bye bye Ah, oh, that was lovely. He's such a lovely man, Charles. And what he does at Goodwood is incredible. And don't forget, the Goodwood Revival this year is the 17th to the 19th of September. So get your tickets. It's really good fun. The family absolutely have a great day out. So see you there. Bye. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. 
If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production. 